0: Welcome to Love Amped, an exploration of healing others through healing ourselves. Check out loveamped.com for additional resources and support. Love Amped. Hello friends, welcome back to Love Amped. I'm your host Seth Pearson and this week we're going to be talking with my incredible friend Leaf about his negative self-talk, how he's viewed... Um, himself as a martyr in the past and how that's affected him, Uh, some of the men's work that he does, um, and what that's kind of like, even talking about uh, the generational work that he's done uh, through uh, using ayahuasca and other psychedelics. And of course, there's a great story in there of how we met, and it's just awesome. Anyways, I'm so happy that I got this guy. On the podcast because he is one of the most important people in my life and uh, I love him very much. So enjoy, friends. You edited. Okay, hold up. Wait, Leaf, what did you just say? You said. That yeah. the negative talk about yourself. What was, what is this? We'll introduce Ulysses in a second.
1: But what is this? Well, you know, um, spending three and a half days with you at Burning Man last year, uh, through our friendship, um, really challenged this negative um, self-talk I have on myself. Uh huh. Burning Man is this really for me? It's this really wild dynamic, constantly changing experience, and I don't think I've ever spent three and a half days with anyone. Really? Yeah. And so the fact that, you know, you wanted to hang out and spend time together um, countered, like, really was completely uh the antidote to this negative self-talk ahead of myself
0: what would you, what would this negative talk
1: self-talk be mm.
0: how would how does it sound sorry all these creakings here but i'm just we're yeah, getting we're real we're close all working it
1: out we're, <clears throat> we're all working it out right now uh, i think a lot of us have self-talk that get built into our consciousness and there are these ridiculous tapes that run and run and run. That when presented to other human beings, other human beings go, "Really, you believe that?" Like, and I do that all the time. I meet people and I and I listen to their negative self-talk tapes, and I go, "Wow, that's I get that that's true for you, and that's not my experience of you." And so, spending my time with you, Zeth, at Burning Man last year. In your ridiculous outfits. <laughs> Which, by the way, you need to see pictures of these because they were ridiculous. I think they were like from some like Asian 13 year old girl's shop <laughs> or something online. I don't know. They were just really ridiculous. Um, that to spend that much time at Burning Man in such a dynamic experience was counter to my experience of myself.
0: Wow. Yeah. What was it? What was your experience of yourself before that? Mm. Like, what are your tapes? Like, put a tape on, like, one of some that you've saved in the past. Oh,
1: man. My tape, it's the perfect tape for me. It is, um, man, you're really good, but not good enough. Wow. Yeah. Man, you're really good, but not good enough. Wow. And that's how I grew up. That was my experience mm-hmm. growing up in New Hampshire in the eighties. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. in in the eighties? Like when did the when did that start?
1: When did you remember the first tape? Oh man! When my folks split. Oh. My folks split when I was nine, and we we moved from a home from a house into a uh, a large um, apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And there was something about that that said, "Wow, you know, you thought you were really good, but you're actually not." because now you're living in this big big apartment complex with all these people that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. So take that.
0: Wow. Did you feel more of like that it's the fact that your whole situation changed or that your parents split specifically?
1: Hmm. I thought a lot about this, and this is kind of coming at it at a really different angle, which is good. Um, It was this false belief that I had of this life I was living with this family that the underpinning, it wasn't, that it it didn't work. It wasn't working. It clearly wasn't working because my parents split. So therefore, it didn't work. Therefore, I wasn't working. (laughs) Because, I mean, what do nine-year-olds think, right? Nine-year-olds think that the world is all about them. So I think that's what happened to me. And that's probably where that landed first. Okay, so yeah.
0: first landed, how did it evolve? Because obviously the tapes were still playing up until last year. So we've got some we've got a lot of years of,
1: of tapes there. There are a lot of years of tapes, and um, how it manifested was excellence. I decided I'm going to be really good. So I decided to turn on my brain. I took AP courses in high school, I ended up becoming an electrical engineer, got a pretty decent grade, and uh, and then got a really good job getting out of school. And my, my first job made more money than my mom did as a uh, bank vice president. Oh, shit. In the 1980s, and that was a big deal, because I didn't know what money was. I, I mean, I knew what money was, but I didn't know what a salary was, and I didn't know what benefits were. It was my first job. And so to be able to go from this kid who's living in an apartment complex to suddenly making a decent salary in 1988, um, not knowing what decent salary meant, um, was a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that changed things a little bit, but obviously it didn't change them enough.
1: It didn't change them enough. Now. There's still sometimes there's still messages that still run, mm-hmm. and I think they run in all of us, and that's why um that's why we need each other mm-hmm. to check those, so we can say like what are you talking about? Yeah, because I I was unaware of these. Cause I, yeah, exactly. That's not how I experience aware. you. Mm-hmm. That's not how I experience you. So, and so um and that's where the good work is. The good mm-hmm. work is internal reflection seeing parts of myself that are holding me back and um, transforming those. And if I'm really lucky, I'm doing it in a group of people who are also in the space of transforming themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Tell us us about those, those,
1: those spaces, those, those transformations that you see. Oh man. Wow. Well, there's a couple. The biggest one for me is a group called Mankind Project. And that's where I do a lot of my work and we're a men's initiation workshop, and we spend three days. Each man man gets to find very quickly and clearly what doesn't work for him as a man, and then in the presence of others, transform that part into a gateway for him into what is really awesome and great about him. Mm -hmm.
0: Because uh, where is that in school? Or college or
1: like. You know, it doesn't exist in school or college at all. Um, but the idea of initiation has existed for millennia. Mm-hmm. N- indigenous peoples have done initiations for millennia. Initiation is all over a culture. Initiations could be um, a first date, a first kiss, a first sexual experience, a marriage, a child, first job, passing of a parent, the passing of a child. These are all initiations. And what I want more of in our Western, in my Western American culture, is recognizing the importance of these transformations. They're super powerful. And I know my dad just passed last year, and it just happened and he passed and, and it's done. And I'm like, wait a minute, my father <laughs> just passed. And so where does that resonate in me as a, as a human being?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. And it's it's still, it, you know,
0: the fact that we met uh, every day, I'm just blown away. Yeah. Like, how did it happen? Like, how could that have happened at a more ridiculously perfect moment in both of our lives? Well, that's a good story. Is that the story we should tell? I think I think
1: at least get some bit of that story. And right that, that actually might be the point of this conversation. Um, so Seth and I met at Burning Man two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Two,
0: two, two years, years ago, ago, three
1: years ago. Uh, was, oh shit. Three years be... ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> um, so there's an organ. So, uh, Seth and I both go to Burning Man. Uh, that's, that's a festival that happens out in Nevada. And, uh, there is an organization called Zendo. And Zendo is a place where people are having intense... Uh, psychological or psychedelic experiences. And in Zendo, our, our work is really about there's no such thing as a bad trip. It's There was an intention behind consciously altering ourselves. And so what was that intention? And what is the greater good that's going to come out of that altering? So I took my first Training with Zendo it was Burning Man two years ago. I'm on my first shift. I think it was like an overnight shift. It was midnight. Me and some friends show up and we're standing in the Zendo space, which is at Burning Man, and it's um, it's filled with pillows and uh, cushions and pretty uh, fabrics. It's a very soft, gentle space. We've got tea and some food and fruit and things to help people settle into their experience. And all of a sudden, through the door popped these four human beings in ridiculous Burning Man attire. And they said, yeah, our friend is, like, having a really rough time. Can you help us? And I was with some friends of mine. And I looked over and I went, that's my ride. That's my night. That's why I'm here for this night. And so they brought this man, Seth, the one who's interviewing me now, and brought him over and sat him down. He was very... um, he was very disoriented, he didn't know what was going on, and uh, and his friends left, and one of his friends stayed. And um, so I'm just sitting here struggling, like, <laughs> what do I do? Like, I got this three hour training today, and like, how do I handle people in intense psychedelic experiences? But I it occurred to me that people often just want to be heard and listened to, so I asked him what's going on, and he told and he spoke. Not all of it was coherent, but that was okay. Because uh, I was tuning into his experience. Uh, and he had a friend with him, a good friend, and they were cuddled up together. And there was a part of me saying, like, oh, are they lovers? Because that's really <laughs> sweet. Like, how sweet. And it turns out they were actually just really good friends. <laughs> this is Adam Balk, by the way, everyone. Yeah, that's Adam Balk. <laughs> uh, because the love that was transmitting between them I decided. Ah, that's my grounding rod. That is how. What is the portal to help this man in an intense psychedelic experience move him through? And I decided. It occurred to me that maybe it's love. And so, so I said, so here you are, you're Burning Man, and you decide to try LSD for the first time, and it's intense all around. And I said, would your friend introduce you to an experience that would harm you? And you said, no. And I said, and so it's a gateway, isn't it? And you said, yeah. And so what do you want to be a gateway to? And in that moment, you shifted and your energy changed. And it turned into one of curiosity and exploration versus like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Because initial psychedelic experiences are really intense. And so what the audience is missing right now is we spend about an hour and a half going through all of <laughs> all of what happens to someone on an intense psychedelic mm-hmm. experience for the first time.
0: When will it end? Is this gonna end? <laughs> it's is like this all that, end? all that all that silly first stuff that you
1: like get trapped in? But it's so important because it speaks to the part of us that equally yearns to change yeah. yet wants to stay the same. Mm-hmm. And so I remember saying to you, like, well, sorry, you just went through the gateway. You're never going to be the same again. And the look on your face was (laughs) absolute terror. And I said, you're going to be way better because you chose this experience. And people don't often choose transformational experiences. This is an initiation. And you're in it. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. And in that moment, Seth, your energy completely shifted. You were still deep in it. You were deep in it. Um, but your your demeanor changed. Your personality started to surface. You started laughing. You started saying some jokes. You started relating what was happening to you. <clears throat> and I knew we were over whatever. We were through whatever doorway you needed to go through. And for me, I judged it was about trusting friends, trusting friendship, uh, and, but really, more importantly, trusting yourself. And that you were okay in this intense experience and you were, sound, you were surrounded and you were loved and you were cared for. And then within a half an hour, you just started getting really wacky and silly. Mm-hmm. And who I know you now totally came out. You're like, I gotta take a leak, we gotta go. <laughs> and we all got up, we had a long parade and you were totally tripping. And we went to the bathroom, and you were talking about being in the porta potty and your experience in there. We were all laughing because you were really settling into the experience of yourself in a in a psychedelic in an intense psychedelic psychedelic experience. Um, and that's where I knew the corner was turned, <laughs> and uh, and then Adam Balk took you home, and uh, and then three days later we got to re meet. And, uh, and just talk about who you are as a human being and connect and continue that work and reintegration. Because for me, um, psychedelic experiences, integration is so important. Yeah. Extremely important. Like, it's like everything. It's everything. And, um. Yeah, so that's what I have to say on that experience. I love it.
0: And just some of the the key takeaways for me from that experience, and that I think, like, because of you, especially, like, that you brought up is like during, I was 24 then, Mm. between 22 and 24, my fear of death came back up. Yeah. I had my first existential crisis when I was four and a half, and uh, about the fear of death. And it's just, like, that stuck with me for so long. Mm-hmm. And then it reappeared, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die one day. What the fuck? And so th- through that experience, I got to, you know, feel, you know, the, the known or what's normal, like, like, melt away. And thus, like, kind of experience, oh, well, death is, like, probably going to be something like that. You know, you just start to, like, forget things or things mm-hmm. feel familiar, mm-hmm. but, like... You're not sure. And then you're like, oh, well, what's me? What does that mean? Oh, whoa. Um, And so through that experience, I got to kind of let go of that fear to this day. I'm not, I don't have fear about it anymore. Of course, I don't want it to happen tomorrow. But like, yeah. And then through us talking about it, realizing like at that time, still a virgin, still like pushing intimate relationships aside in my life and then like it's just it's just crazy that the next year at burning man i get to like sit you down i feel like we it happened <laughs> it happened
1: <laughs> i just, it's just it was so good. yeah yeah <clears throat> gateways of transformation mm-hmm yeah the year after that my dad passed away mm-hmm and I got to sit with my dad as he was unconscious and dying. And I held his hand and I said, you know, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I've had a lot of psychedelic experiences, particularly with ayahuasca. And I make up, I understand what you're experiencing. You're bridging these realms and you're bridging these realities. And, um, and I love you. And I want to connect with you through these experiences. And he squeezed my hand. I was like... Okay, well, (laughs) maybe in this dying man, we were able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: When you mentioned um, kind of uh, ayahuasca and then going back to like, I remember you talking about not just like the negative self-talk, but in one of your ayahuasca experiences, like letting go of your like the side of yourself that you see as suffering. Do you remember mm, that? I do. What, what like part of your subconscious like where does that like suffering come from? And like how do you think like letting that go has helped you?
1: Mm. Well, <clears throat> I believe that uh, parts of ourselves have valuable messages to give us. And some of them really run their course. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a suffering part of me man, one of my biggest shadow parts of myself is my martyr. Okay. And that's the part of me that goes out and does good in the world and then waits for someone to acknowledge it. And they don't. Oh, woe is me. So I sit home and I drank way too much wine and I just cry <laughs> about my terrible life because no one's seen me. And that's the part of myself I call my martyr. Okay. Um, and that comes up a lot. And that's just, its a part of me. Um, And um, it brings me in touch with the part of me that really likes to suffer. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that likes to suffer and I get something out of it, but I don't ultimately get what I want. Okay. The golden part of me wants connection. I want love. I want touch. I want intimacy. I want intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy. And yet there's a part of me that totally digs being in the background, being a little whiny, whiny voice in my own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what my work with psychedelics has really brought forward, is how loud that voice is and how much that overpowers my world. Wow,
0: that's that sounds uh, that sounds like a tough one to, to get rid of, slash hard when you want it around. Okay. Why do you, do you think there would be any other way for I don't know then psychedelics for you to have realized that
1: well the work that I've done with the Mankind Project has really brought that forward and um, hmm. it's a part of me that I need to love Mm -hmm. and accept and get there is a martyr part of me there is a very sad and suffering part of me And really what it wants is it wants to be witnessed and it wants to be acknowledged. And so rather than doing it in a shadow way, in a negative way, I can just go to someone and go, wow, I am feeling really, really uh, stuck right now. Would you Mm -hmm. give me a hug? So I can make conscious attempts to heal that part of me. I see. And I believe that's in part of all of us. And I think our negative negative self-talk is the gateway to our greatness. Mm -hmm. But I don't think in Western culture we think of it that way.
0: They just think of that as like, this is like this this flaw.
1: It's a flaw that needs to be therapized away. It's like, no, actually, the part of me that's suffering is the part of me that wants to be heard. Okay. And so how can I find that voice to ask for that part to be loved? Yeah. By others in my community or by myself?
0: It's just, it's just wild because Leap, you are such a fucking leader and it's just amazing when it's, I think people don't realize that it's like, oh, leaders feel these things too. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you, when we were hanging out one time at the Eagle bar and you said, <laughs> you said, uh, Seth, by the
1: way, goes to the Eagle in Portland, like a straight guy goes to this gay bar with like porn all over the place. I was blown away. But maybe that's the power of young young people in the world. Who knows? Do it. I mean, I'll take go, it as go, a
0: compliment. Go. I'll go. It's an intense yeah. compliment, yeah. <laughs> um, when you were talking about this email exchange between someone and you're like, you know, just uh, humans are inherently scared or something like that. And yeah. and you, were, I was like, when did you realize that or something like that? And you were like, it was like 30 or something
1: oh even earlier i realized that humans are inherent i believe human humans are inherently socially terrified yeah Yeah. the way we're socialized (laughs) in the west in america that's my experience and um and it really doesn't take much to step outside of our shell Mm -hmm. to connect to another and ask for what we want and to connect and it creates something new and beautiful
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely Yeah, and then I was, and then you're like, when did you realize that? I was like, (laughs) twenty, and you were like, nice, yeah, or something like that.
1: And that's the blessing of the younger generations. Mm -hmm. How awesome!
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's wild. It's so funny. Yeah, Um, yeah, because people, yeah, not realizing that. Oh, everyone's scared. Like, oh, that means I can step up. I can. And in those moments, people are going to be like, wow, you stepped up. That's why I say, like, improv has been incredible for Mm -hmm. so many things. Like interviews, like dating. Because it's like going on 100 interviews or 100 first dates. Because it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's like, oh, that's fine. Or something like that. Or just trust your instincts Mm -hmm. and all that. Um, Okay, so you were letting... Talk about letting go of the suffering um and what are some other aspects like mental health wise or like life change wise like you've Mm -hmm. had to go through
1: well I'd say so I'm 52 now and what I would say is um if I would counsel myself as as a younger man um be open to the idea that I change, in large chunks. So my twenties were so different than my thirties. My thirties were so different than my forties. My forties are so different than my fifties. 30s. My 30s so my 40s. My 40s so and so, um, and that in each generation that I'm in, I have something to offer to the younger people. And so that's one of the gifts that I find in our friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got I don't know twenty five years between us, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, what I get from being around you and your friends is young, mid 20s, mid to late 20s, excited. The world is amazing. Um, possibilities are endless. And that invigorates my soul. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, like, oh man, I'm on the other end sometimes. I'm like, oh, life's closing and opportunities. And and no, sort of the negative side of things. But really, um, what I think the generations have to offer each other is a perspective and a window. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A positive window. And what those of us who are older have to offer and all of us who are older, listen to this, we must, it is our responsibility to bless and love the younger generations <laughs> and let them know authentically how they move us and how they empower us because they do for me Mm -hmm. being around you and being in your home and being with your younger friends, I'm inspired, I'm more creative, I'm more thoughtful. And maybe I can offer a more grounded future perspective Mm -hmm. that in 20 years you might be here and you might wonder when you're 52, like what the hell do I look like? (laughs) Who am I? Yeah. And you might look to me to say that because I've had other men, that I've looked to. I have men who are 70 now, 75 and 80 that I admire. And I go, oh, like Frank, right? Like Frank, like, oh, that's what I look like when I'm 75. Yeah. And that's 20 years away, well, 23 years away, but like 23 years <laughs> isn't that long away. Mm-hmm. And so, what if we, in our generations, committed to the idea we have something to offer to youngers? But it's really just our presence and not like well when I was your age Timmy you know you really should like it's way different being
0: around you compared to other like older adults it's so hard
1: like how do I be around you Seth like you know we've got 20 something years between us I'm like so I don't want to like well you know make sure you do this that and the other (laughs) (laughs) but how do I convey my life experience to you in a way that you go like ah that's valuable to me. Yeah. Or maybe in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, you go, oh, I've got a model for that. Yeah. So how can we as humans model what being older looks like? Mm-hmm. I mean, by looking at you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, b- before me and you, I felt like I truly like, you know, I had a lot of friends with great parents, you know, my parents, great but um, like I feel like there was a point where like you know I wasn't learning as much from them or like didn't have someone to like truly like constantly like learn from. And I just feel mm-hmm. like every time I'm like in your presence, I learned something. Yeah. It's um incredible. I'm like this was truly missing from mm-hmm. my life. Uh, like a, a like people have like you know career mentors and mm-hmm. stuff and it's, but it's like you were truly my like life mentor. Yeah. Um, I I just feel very lucky
1: (laughs) having that. Um. Well, curiously, you're inheriting another generation that I'm looking to. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking to Frank, like, for instance, his mom passed last year. Okay. And just like, I don't know, how do I be with a parent who's passing? And so I got to watch this man who's 23 years older than I am with his mom who's passing. And so I went to visit his mom. And I heard the stories, it was, mu- it was years, years yeah. that she took to pass. Yeah. So she finally passed. And then last October 2017, my dad passed. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, what the hell do I do? A parent passed. How do I handle that? And then I thought back to Frank. I'm like, oh, maybe that's how I handle a parent passing. And so yeah. when I had questions, that's what I did. Yeah. I just looked to him. And...
0: And then so you're and then my mom passed away.
1: And initially, and you're such a you're young like, man. Yeah. And your mom who's probably around I don't even know how old she was. She was probably around my age. Yeah. Or younger. She was like
0: what fifty seven or something. She was, like that. Yeah, a few years
1: within me. Um
0: yeah. And that was within what, a month and a half of each other or mm-hmm. something like that. I remember when you um you post on Facebook mm-hmm. that it happened. And I was like, Leaf, so sorry to hear it. Blah, blah, blah. Infinite love. And you're like, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, thanks. And then, like, you t- you mentioned talking about, like, how you were, you know, there for it and everything. And then it's like, it's like crazy that someone's, like, passing in front of you. And then you're like, it's kind of cool. <laughs> or something like that. It's kind of oh. cool. It's kind of cool. Like, stuff happens. Like, yeah. whoa. And then, so, like like backstory for the listeners mom my mom had cancer and then two days after i saw her uh on yeah. december 29th wow. she committed suicide <sighs> she hung herself uh
1: which is in insane. your home in
0: in, in the, the home you grew up in yeah yeah and um wow. uh you know that that's kind of out of nowhere that's pretty crazy um But I totally, like, thought of you as well, like, how you handle it. Like, I always thought of, like, you know, it has to be, like, in the movies or, like, you... If something, like, bad happens to you, you have to ruin your life or something like that. You have to let it happen. And, uh... But, like, because I had, like, how you handled it, like, I, I was able to, like, I'm, you know, there's no self-harm I'm doing to myself I'm not like yeah you know like in this rut there's like yeah. I will slowly process it till like forever and do your healing yeah um but like I don't know I just felt like the whole time like you said the same thing how you were like oh yeah I felt like I was everyone else's therapist like when I was talking yeah. to people about it and I felt the same freaking isn't way. that great It's crazy. It was like at the funeral, like the first funeral, we had two funerals, our memorial or whatever you want to call them, um, and like just people coming to me that I've like haven't seen for a long time or like are really close to me and they're just crying, just crying and I'm just like, oh, it's like, like, it's gonna, (laughs) like, it's gonna be okay. (laughs) It's,
1: isn't that crazy? Yeah. Those of us who lost loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. This is so wild. And you got that from Frank. Yes yeah. I heard how Frank was with his mom when she passed. Yeah. So I'm like, my dad just passed, what do we do? I don't know. I'll be like Frank. Yeah. And then I told you that story and then your mom passed. Yeah. And then you got to inherit that story. Yeah. So essentially you and Frank are connected and you've never met the man.
0: Yeah. Oh, I did meet him. You last, met him? Yes. Les last, last Burn. I at Rhythm wave. Of course you yes, did. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you were like, this is like <laughs> yes, how I, I am now, to you. Again. Like you and me. And I was, and he was, I remember what he said, how you were like, so Frank, are you going to do any like psychedelics this weekend? he's like, no man, I feel like I'm tripping all the time or something like that. <laughs> When I'm at Burning Man I feel like I'm tripping it's so all him. the time. And I was it's just so like him. this guy is cool as shit. That's <laughs>
1: so him. Yeah. I learned so much.
0: Wow, I didn't know that about the that's how it kind of you got from that's it. That's
1: how I got to hit that space. And that's how I got to like all my dad just died and everyone around me. Seems he needs support. Okay. I guess that's my job right now. It's like being the supported guy. I thought you were all supposed to support me. So funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it was beautiful. His passing was beautiful. He was, I had to hold his hand, I held his hand as he was, his breath was changing, and his heart was changing, and his body temperature was changing, and I was, it was October in New Hampshire where I grew up, Mm-hmm. And looking out the window, was gorgeous, and like, red and yellow, leaves falling. And then, uh, and then he just went. I was with my brother. It was, uh, he and I. I grew up together. And, uh, and he just went in that uh, moment of passing. <clears throat> and then I realized, like, my brother didn't know what to do in that moment. Mm. And neither did I. And then a, moment, then a part of me went, like, I know what to do. We need ceremony. Mm. And ceremony is that thing, I think, that humans do when we don't know what to do. <laughs> and he said, what do we? And he looked at me with his face like, our dad just died. <laughs> like, his, his heart rate literally just stopped. He took his last breath and he turned gray. And I'm like, I've never been in the room of a dying man before. And I said to myself, I said, What the hell do I do now? And myself said, Well, you open all the windows and you open all the doors and you let the fresh air in. And I turned to my brother and I said, We open all the doors and we open all the windows with the fresh air in. And we did. And I op- pulled up the shades and opened the windows and opened the doors. And this really odd experience happened. I closed my eyes, and I felt all these men around me, these men that I do this men's work with in Mankind Project, hundreds of them were around me, and they were holding wow. candles. I was like, okay, I think I'm sober. Right? My dad <laughs> just died. I'm, As far as I know, I'm sober. And I'm seeing hundreds of men around me holding candles. And they were in layers behind me. And then I opened my eyes and this air just blew in and I walked to the door with my brother. And we hugged each other intensely in a way we rarely do in our lives. And he, he like heaved and he made this sobbing sound. And I held him hard and close, my younger brother. And, um, and I felt my dad go out the door. He went oh, out wow. the window and he went out the door. And I went, whoa! That was a lot. That's intense. And, uh, and that was yeah, October of twenty seventeen, and into a gorgeous New England autumn. Yeah. And um, and so maybe that's what we're for. Maybe mm-hmm. we're here to see the generations. Maybe I was here to see. My father leave his generation. Maybe you're here to see me in my generation. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm here to offer you something so you can be strong in your generation.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then there are those who are right behind you, Seth. Mm-hmm. There are those who are 10 years, 20 years younger than you, who don't even know you yet, and they're going to find you, and they're going to like, that fucking dude was awesome, and you're going to change your lives. And what if that were our jobs? What if we were all here to inspire each other? Maybe that's what we're here for.
0: It, it sounds very plausible to me. It sounds very
1: plausible. It's my to me. truth and my mission.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And I think uh, just talking more and more about the generation work, like, uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, like, discovering, like, fixing. Like what the, like what your ancestors, the work that your ancestors
1: didn't do. So this is more in the trippier realm. (laughs) It's sort of the more medicine work, um, more intense experiences. Um, I wasn't quite sure about the concept of um, generational work. And, um, One night deep, 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 deep in some medicine work with ayahuasca, it became very clear to me that um, this reality that I'm existing in, what if, as a concept, what if this reality is about taking a concept and bringing it to a manifestation? What if that's what we're all about? What if there's this concept called sunflower and it's manifested into this thing we all see? Um what if i'm a concept and so i'm in this deep experience and i said well if i'm a concept made into manifestation i.e a physical body what would that be like and i got this immediate vision of this beautiful divine generic feminine form that i was aware that was my mother my mother in this life and I said, well, what's going on? And suddenly I saw these two bright blue dots, and it was me and the man that I identify as the, my father in this lifetime. And I said, well, what's going on? And I could see me and this other being who I know as my father jockeying. Who is going to father the child and who's going to be the child? And in that negotiation with this feminine presence, i.e. my mother, Uh, We decided that I was going to father and he was going to be the child. That's right. You heard that right, folks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're getting kind of strange. And before all that happened, I changed the rules. And I slipped in before. And I... Oh, it's kind of strange. Um, I uh, inseminated myself inside my mother so I could be <laughs> born in this body. And my father did not get that opportunity. Um, so I created myself through my father. Um, and my experience of my father throughout my, this life was he really wanted to be loved in a way that his biological father didn't love him, my grandfather he really wanted my love, me, and, uh, and I chose to be the child. And so, curiously, he didn't give me the love that I wanted, and nor did I. Mm-hmm. And So we lived this loveless life together until he passed last October. Uh, he was there, and he provided food and shelter and housing. And... But what was missing was the intimate connection between a father and son that I so dearly wanted. And um, and I saw why, because I was a little cheeky bastard, and I <laughs> took the position as child instead of the father. Which might sound really strange to many of you listening, but if you've had these ex- ceremony experiences, you may understand. Yeah. Uh, they
0: sound they just the more I hear about them, the more it makes sense to me, and I have I haven't. Uh, it yet but soon soon
1: soon i'm really curious what uh who's out there listening to this (laughs) complete ridiculous ramble and i really hope you edit this strongly because wow
0: oh definitely not it's it's just it's it's very straight Uh, i'd be
1: really curious to hear what uh (laughs)
0: What people think.
1: People think, well, more importantly, like, how does this relate to people in the world, like, in their Mm. own lives? Like, how do they feel how they're anchored in their own bodies and their own realities? Mm -hmm. And really, what what crazy-ass shit we make up about ourselves or I make up about myself. Exactly. To justify my own consciousness and my Mm -hmm. own being. Go ahead. ahead. Yeah.
0: I mean, just like... Uh, I mean, that's what I like to hope that this podcast can kind of bring kind of these different awarenesses like, oh, these are possibilities like these like not all experiences are going to be the same for everyone. But like if you think about the simple thing of like, oh, your father didn't get the love that he wanted and how that's impacted you. You can see that is very concrete. Like, but like you had like or you know had to who knows, whatever just you've had these um psychedelic experiences that like through your subconscious you were able to like realize like oh that's what's going on mm. or um just uh hearing about someone else's life like the the idea that oh everyone's scared mm. and, and so i don't have to be scared like it's all these things of like seeing that other people are going through the same shit even though it's different stuff it's all the same trauma it's like that past generations experience and then they pass it down and it keeps going and you have to be the one to like Mm. to fix it and then if you want to like you know keep having kids or how you influence other people in the world those are your kids too in a Mm -hmm. way it doesn't matter that they're not blood related um, and so it's like, we can continue being the, this like generation where there's like rapid growth because like, you know, our minds are a little more open than the past yeah. and wars <laughs> and close minded yeah. slash, uh, open minded religious stuff that isn't, that's, I don't know, doing more damage than good in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yes, yeah, so that's, yeah, that is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you would like to say right now? Because that was, uh, that's a pretty good, that's pretty good shit.
1: It was a lot. <clears throat> and, and made the listeners, um, glean some sort of insight into themselves because, um, I do believe we all influence each other, and we all cause change in each other, and um, and may everyone who's listening decide right now to go out and cause a change in themselves, which then causes a change in others around them. Love it,
0: love it, and Leaf, I uh, love you so much. Love you, sir. And this is just a treat
1: love and
0: I can listen to that man talk forever. I am so happy that we have him on the podcast. He's definitely one of the most important people in my life. Uh so if you guys have any questions about what we talked about, I know we talked about some weird out there stuff, which is great. Um hit me up on Seth underscore Pearson at Twitter. Uh, dot com. and uh, you can also go to loveamp.com for more general info about self-love um, and testimonials for people that I've helped also uh, please uh, write a written review uh, on uh, iTunes for the podcast uh, Just it just helps for people that just have like come across the uh, podcast and are like what is this about and then people you know read the reviews and they're like oh yeah, okay very good um, but yeah, so I've been also posting more stuff on Twitter, fun videos. Uh, there's a video, uh, of me at Vegas interviewing, uh, this guy, Dave TP, who's awesome. I'll probably put that audio segment on soon, um, here as well. And, uh, yeah, until next time, guys, love yourselves out there. Just keep improving everyday growth mindset. It's the best. Uh, see ya. This was Love Amped, a podcast by Seth Pearson.
1: Check out loveamped.com for more info on today's topic.